0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host Lauren Conway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullScale.io, check the show notes for a link to learn more. All right, friends, so I think that y'all probably know by now that I am really, really interested in empowerment. And I think that people can be empowered in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways that startup founders need to be empowered is financially. And that's a really, really complicated thing that we're going to be talking about today with a, an expert-y experty expert we are going to be talking to Emily Luck, co-founder and CEO of Plenty, uh, Plenty is a fintech platform that is helping modern couples invest and plan for their future together. So speaking to that financial empowerment piece, and Emily and I talked about that a little bit in pre-show prep, but Emily, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Warren. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's, let's just kick it off. I want to dig into it so that we can talk about more stuff. And I'm just going to ask you, hey, Emily,
0: tell us about your journey. Thank you. So I think for me, a lot of my journey started off in childhood. I come from a family where my parents started a business together. My grandparents started a business together. And so dinner time conversations, family conversations, it was about hiring and sales and manufacturing and sourcing. And they would ask my brother and I questions about what we would do, started from the age of six. So very surreal way to grow up that I now recognize in hindsight. But for most of my life, the default path was, of well, of course, I'm going to start a company. I just need to figure out what the right idea is and what the right thing is. So the thing though, that thing was like, like literal conversations that you're having around the dinner table. Like if you yeah. were a founder, what would you do in this situation? I so my wouldn't even ask me, for example, they'd be like, oh, we have this contract negotiation. Um, this is what happened. This is the circumstance. What would you do? Yeah, and we would weigh in. And in hindsight now, like that's a very different set of conversations love- to have at the dinner table.
1: I love that so much because it's a very low risk, high reward mm-hmm. kind of situation that you found yourself in. Like you are able to think expansively. You're mm-hmm. able to think beyond your own comfort zone. I mean, I'm sure that you probably didn't have granular knowledge of every single thing that they were talking about ever, mm-hmm. but it becomes an opportunity to brainstorm and ask for feedback and try things out in a very very safe kind of environment right yes exactly,
0: exactly.
1: Yes. that's the time to to foster that entrepreneurial mindset i love it so much now one thing really stuck out stuck out to me as you were talking and i got i have to ask this emily i'm so sorry mm-hmm. you have parents who founded a company together you have grandparents who founded a company together Uh, What was it like seeing that dynamic and knowing that your loved ones weren't just, you know, doing the thing, doing the whole deal at home together, but then had to like go off to work and exist together and seeing that because I imagine that the dynamics were probably different around the dinner table than they were across the boardroom table, right? What was that for sure? Watching that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing is, I grew up with that. So that felt very normal. It actually does. was more strange to meet more friends whose parents didn't work together and realize that there wasn't an integration into yeah. just different parts like, of life.
1: Siloed. Like you go off to work, you go off to work or stay at yes. home, like whatever you're doing, you're going to do your thing and then we're going to come talk about it at the dinner table. But then you have, you come from a situation where... People are, are, I imagine they probably had widely divergent opinions and perspectives, and they have mm-hmm. to come together in every aspect of their lives.
0: Yes, That's and it, well, it oh, for sure. That's so cool. <laughs> very much so. I mean, <laughs> I'm you know, I'm like, I don't even know them, but way to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they work, were, they were, are a great team together. And it very much flowed from you know, a conversation of how to raise kids, going to parent teacher interviews, and then closing a sales deal. And yeah. so that just all flowed. And there was so much resiliency, I think, in that structure, too, where there was a lot of flex, like one person would support more one part of life, the other yeah. person takes turns and back and forth. And so that was a lot of what I was used to. Um, my fiance and my co-founder actually also comes from a family where they have 12 people who have worked together across four generations in a family law firm. So you can say we both up with this very wise lies and we <laughs> in hindsight realized that's not the experience. So, are, please don't take this the wrong way, but you were a little bit
1: freakish in that you, you found so many people who were able to make this work. But I I would imagine, I'm just going to like throw it out there. I have a theory that you, know, you would see people in a constant state of negotiation, communication. Like those are actually all really good values to showcase really? for a child. Um, You know that that must have been not just an interesting way to grow up, but also a pretty positive one. I I would hope. Mm -hmm. I would think. Uh, I mean, for sure, turned out all right. So, (laughs) so it could have been all bad. Uh, But no, that that is very very cool. Mm -hmm. And so, so let me ask you this. You know, one of the things that Plenty focuses on, and I imagine I I would think that you focus on, and it's probably part of your lens and your heart, but it's that couple thing, that dynamic, that constant that constant co-evolution and learning around finance. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you came to that? You know, you, you were put in a position where you're like, I'm going to start a company. Wait, wait, when I figure out the thing, but you figured out the thing. How did you figure exactly. out the thing?
0: That's a yeah. <laughs> great question. So I think one of the things that I was always really lucky with is, you know, when my parents started a business and when my grandparents started a business, they did so out of necessity. It wasn't out <laughs> of passion. It wasn't out of, you know, thinking about potential impact. It really was, that was what they needed to do, whether that was for immigration status, whether that was, you know, to make a living. And one of the things I grew up with, and my parents reinforced to me is, you are so lucky to be in an environment where you can choose to do whatever you want. You can choose to build whatever you want. So make sure you use that privilege carefully and intentionally. So you think about what are the things you care deeply about and what you could give back That was so much a core because my parents had this lens of, you know, they didn't have the ability to choose whatever they wanted to do, but they wanted to give that to my brother and I. And so kind of fast forward, you know, I very much had the experience of also seeing from my parents, my parents, friends, what it was like to be immigrants in a country where you weren't as familiar with things, especially on the financial planning side or the wealth management side of things, where you don't have the deep networks, you don't have the you know, generations of family you can fall back on to ask for advice or people yeah. that your family has worked with. So what do you do? So that kernel had always been seated for me because so much of even the opportunity I've been given has been as a consequence of having the financial resources to go to university and not have to worry about things like that and to go take a lower paying job that ended up being a great opportunity. And so the ability to have the resources has always been incredibly important. Fast forward for the couple side of things, you know, my parents had the structure where unlike probably many couples in that generation, they were very much equal partners in the business. Yeah. So I watched them support each other in understanding where they were financially and starting to realize that in my adult years that that wasn't the norm and that actually for many people, you only have one person who understands what's going on and the other person is completely in the dark. That was sh- so shocking. And it's not that either of them want that situation. Yeah, We started plenty when uh, my fiance and I, we started talking a lot more about how for people building towards wealth, there are not great product and tools to affordably help get them there faster. Yeah. Unless you're kind of in that upper echelon of the 1% where you're earning hundreds and hundreds of thousands, you already have hundreds of thousands built up, if not millions. We started thinking a lot more about that. and when we got engaged, we saw there aren't any products that are built for the modern day reality of dual career couples and yeah. what don't fully merge your finances because you want to maintain independence and togetherness.
1: Yeah, well, I, I love that so much. I I do, I want to take it back just a step based on mm-hmm. something that I've noticed. So you have found yourself in what I would imagine is kind of a, a difficult space when it comes to talking about financial wellness and really even talking about finances. I mean, we live in a country where it is difficult for people to talk about the wages that they make with other employees. Incidentally, really quick, this is my soapbox. Emily, please forgive me. But it is completely legal for you to have a conversation with another coworker about wages. That is called wage transparency. It is also your right to inquire about, discuss or disclose your own pay. Uh, by the way, I just want to throw that out there because so many people seem to not know that. I don't know. I can't tell you how many people have, have come to me and been like, oh yeah, my department at work, they, they penalized me or they like, and it's like, no, they, they can't actually do that. That's illegal. Don't let them do that. So that's setting the stage, though. That was my soapbox, but it's also setting the stage. People feel, often often feel profoundly uncomfortable talking about money. Have you found that? First off, that's the first question. And then the second question is, I'm going to assume you're going to say yes, because I know it's true. Uh, but then I'm going to say, uh, how do
0: you respond to that? <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> that's absolutely true. And we see that so much from one individual or one couple to another couple or even within a relationship yeah there is a reason why financial infidelity and financial issues are often a bigger driver for divorce yeah and actually cheating um that has been proven out time and time again and unfortunately i think it's because we don't come from a culture where it's normal to talk about money and yeah. finances and there's yeah. so much stigma oh, around it
1: or it seems like it's not it's 10th year and it's like who the fuck cares? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I just I I have I have feelings around wage equity and transparency. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, but talk about your pay, y'all, please. This is how we protect ourselves and those around us.
0: Uh, talk about how you're building wealth because yes. maybe you could help a friend out and they can also build wealth faster too. What are those? But 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 you've chosen
1: to focus not just on like that friend to friend relationship. You've chosen to talk about that that couple relationship and you you already named a couple of late like reasons why that is a very very fraught minefield of stuff that i imagine that you're going to have to deal with because you have each individuals like the way that they view finance and the best practices that they and then you mash them together and you get a legal document behind them and all of a sudden you expect them to just cohesively come together and i would imagine that that, that doesn't happen as easily as we like or assume it does so what does that process tend to look like
0: yeah well i mean i think one of the things that we saw as a key problem was there's in if you look at other fintech companies in this space if you look at financial institutions they're based on a very archaic model of relationships where it's either every single thing is separate or every single thing is joint yeah and that's not the reality for how modern couples manage their money anymore yeah, The majority of couples who both work, which is now 80% of people who are 25 to 45, by the way, 80% My of people goodness. both are working. Yeah. And they, you know, if you think about how they manage your money, they already are saying, hey, it's important for me to have some partition that's mine and yours and ours. What percentage that is? Every single relationship is different. There's cultural aspects to it. There's gender dynamics that come out. And every couple is different and there has not been a product until now that allows you to say flexibly oh actually you know for our home down payment it feels good for us to be equal partners here but maybe when it comes to our wedding like we've had a discussion and you're putting in 75 percent i'm putting in 25 percent or we're getting help from parents somewhere and yeah. every single couple is different sometimes couples are like oh i want to share all of our retirement account information so we can both plan for retirement together. And other couples are like, uh, I, I don't think so. Not yet. Like, I'm not ready to do that yet. And all of these moments of tension create a difficulty in us having the conversation, which is ultimately, how can we be stronger together? How do we go further together? Yeah. And I think so much of this is bringing the information to one place so that two people can really see safely and not feel like they're oversharing or uncomfortable where are they now? Where do they want to go together? Instead of focusing on where they are individually, allow them to focus on oh, what could we do as a unit, as a team?
1: Yeah, well, so that's really interesting, and you, you kind of hit on pieces of my next question. You know, plenty is pulling together in aggregate information, and and really like information is such an empowering thing. Like in in a, in a lot of cases, like that's all that really needed to happen. You just needed to have that that interconnection and that communication. But so talk specifically about how Plenty brings that data together. Like how does Plenty solve problems for
0: financially minded couples? Yeah. So we start off with saying, what are your goals, either individually or together? And we've automated a lot of the financial planning process and the conversation you would have with a financial planner when they sit down with you and they're like, you wanna buy a house? How much is that house? How big of a house do you want? How do you think about your down payment? We walk you through all the same questions step-by-step. So we ultimately give you two a goal that you can work towards. Once we have that goal of, let's say, you want to have $80,000 for your house down payment, depending on the market, that might be a couple hundred thousand dollars. Then we say, if you two are investing in this together, we will give you a custom built investment portfolio and we'll also help you understand Actually, this really big, scary, daunting number is $200 per week per person or whatever that number might be for your goal. So yeah. the first portion of it is we're really focused on helping you towards these goals that we know are what people have around buying a house, having a baby, having a second child, paying for daycare, paying for a home renovation. And then from there, you can also connect all of your existing accounts and flexibly say, hey, this is a private account. I don't want you to see this very very common for couples to have a private checking account or a private credit card where they're like oh this is the line that we don't veterinary share. accounts right yeah like, exactly it's
1: about like for instance i don't necessarily want my husband to know how much i spend on that special shampoo that we order right and he knows that i buy it he doesn't right. know that it's 30 bucks a bottle exactly it lasts forever and it works so good he doesn't need to know all of that. He just needs to know that my hair looks fabulous. <laughs>
0: exactly. And then maybe right, they have their own thing, right? Like that, which is their are subscription to something.
1: I and not ever, where like bring some board games or comic books. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just not, I don't need to know. It's fine. Like, are we broke? No. Can we pay the mortgage? Yeah, we're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so actually honestly a lot of like the Esther Perel philosophy of I think the combination of having some mystery in the relationship but that actually helps keep the relationship vibrant. Yeah. Same thing for financial transparency. What we found is actually 100% transparency creates more problems than 80 to 90% transparency, where you're yeah. like transparent about many things, but the expectation isn't that there's permissioning required or a review or even just the need to know about everything. And yeah. so that's really how we built and mapped out that product really from the perspective of connect to all of your accounts and you can decide what you want to share. You can decide what you consider as yours together versus what's yours personally versus something that's private. So at least you two each have an ability to see all of the things that you have at plenty and beyond individually and then also together as a partnership. Yeah.
1: Well, so that is so that that is awesome. And I, I I'm really fighting the urge to like go onto the website and sign up for myself and my husband right now. But what if you have all the goals? Like what if you I what if it's just not feasible to save for all because like you can you can want to buy a house and want to have a child and want to have a wet you can have all three of those desires at the same time while still wanting to retire and maybe travel or whatever it is. So so how do you how does plenty help couples kind of negotiate and navigate these kinds of questions
0: yeah great question so one of the key parts of our goals-based planning process is we help you understand for you to reach this goal this is how much money the two of you need to be putting aside roughly per month in order to for example buy a house on this timeline what yeah we see a lot of couples do is that's the first time they've seen that number yeah and there's a knee-jerk reaction we can do more. Or we can't do that. Maybe we need to bump out when we want to buy the house. Or maybe we want to buy a smaller house. Yeah. And so you have the ability to plan towards things. And then is also the conversation that we've seen couples have so many times, which is, oh, what if we cut down a little bit on this thing here and put more into this thing over there? Yeah. And it gives you the ability to really reason about all these different goals relative to each other. And that's actually been one of the most incredible parts to see because when when
1: you're thinking about the timeline of life and please know that there is no judgment if your life did not move through this progression but like typically it's wedding house kids retirement so like yeah kind of a an intuitive sort of progression life progression Mm -hmm. guess. and so so yeah like different things would be more important at different stages of life and you would You, so so the point of Plenty is to help you see everything together so that you can you can plan around it, which I like. And I, I have Absolutely. not seen that at any other in any other fintech tool that I and I've explored quite a lot. So, so I, I like that there there's a very human element to the financial planning process. Like this is what people's lives usually look like. And we're going to help you figure out what that means for you financially. That is very, very cool. Uh, So
0: oftentimes, what we actually see too for couples is that they end up having this. Oh, actually, maybe our timeline didn't work out like that, and maybe we're at this point where the baby's coming, and we're also trying to think about that home. And they start playing around the numbers, and they're like, you know what? Maybe that's just not realistic, and that's okay. At least you have that information. They're like, we're just gonna bump the house out. But instead of trying to, instead of feeling like you have to do everything all at once, now you have the information to be like. Let's reset our plans because that's life and that's how it works out. How do you make God laugh? You make a plan, my babies. Don't
1: you like? But I, I, I love that plenty allows for that changeability. Like I think that that's that's a really key piece of financial planning because I think we all have very like we build out these ideas of what we think we're saving for, investing for, and the fact is, like in true entrepreneurial fashion, let's leave a little bit of wiggle room. You know
0: what I mean? <laughs> Nothing ever happens the way you think it's going to happen.
1: Exactly. Well, so so I will tell you something else that does not happen the way that you think it's going to happen. Often that's software development. Finding expert software developers can be really, really hard and it always takes longer and it's so hard <laughs> and I hate doing it. Except when I visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Uh yeah, cuz you're you're looking for that reliability that that full scale brings, that plenty brings, you know, being able to have access to information that has been historically a little veiled, things that we don't want to talk about, think about, work about, do about. Uh but that's I I feel like that's changed Now, so, Emily, one of the things that we talked about in pre-show prep, friends, uh, Emily was great in pre-show prep, by the way, because she asked me a question that founders don't normally ask me. And I was very gratified to be asked this question. She asked, what struck you about Plenty? And I was very honest. I was like, actually, Plenty did not strike me. It struck our executive producers. However, just in what I know of Plenty now and in talking to you and figuring this out, one of the things that struck me I immediately thought of the financial equity piece. That's the lens through which I view the world. And so one of the things that I thought of, I was like, you know, when we're talking about partnerships, often half of that partnership or even 100 percent of that partnership is going to be female. (laughs) And we talk about the fact and we've talked I've even done interviews on the show with founders who are addressing the issue that sometimes women uh, are socially conditioned are made to feel uncomfortable or unwelcome in financial spaces talking about finances and so one of the problems that we're seeing now that the baby boomer generation is aging up we're seeing a lot of women whose partners have died who have no conception <laughs> of how to budget or even where to send the cable bill you know things like like no idea how much money they have socked away for retirement and so i feel like plenty could be a tool to also help manage that so that we're no longer left in that situation are you finding that couples are using it as a as a kind of
0: a safe plan safeguard plan <laughs> absolutely so one of the things from the very ground up we built plenty not for the people who are already finance wizards and spreadsheet experts and could go into a trading brokerage account and know immediately what to do. We were yeah. built and designed the whole product from ground up to be really intuitive and non-overwhelming to people who might not have had as much experience in finance. And so that has actually over and over been what we've heard from people as a really important foundation in order to bring a partner that might ordinarily be more intimidated, not have as much literacy or the education to then engage with the conversation for the first time and say, how much do we have? Where is it? Yeah. Do we have enough for retirement? How much do we even have now? We've had these conversations about can we afford to do X? I now have a place where I can look at that and see, oh, we're tracking towards this home renovation we're talking about. Oh, we actually need to save a little bit more for bigger milestones like sending your kids to college. And for the first time, they're really, they have a safe place to actually see where they are together. Yeah. So that's a huge part of what we've done. I think one of the things that completely blew my mind as we were building this company is if you talk to people who are widows or or divorcees, especially with people who unexpectedly have been widowed, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, this data only exists generally for heterosexual relationships at this time. Uh, what we've seen is for ladies, 95% of them urge other women to be more involved in their finances because they found themselves blindsided on the other side of it. They didn't even know where the money was or how much they had. And if you also think about that, actually that same study said that when both partners participate to even understand, and you don't need to be equal on this, you just have to be part of the conversation and understand what's going on. But what we found is 90% of people said they felt less stressed. Afterward, because Rega saw game changer. changer, They were like, "I understand where we are. I don't have this vague anxiety over some like foreboding that we might not have enough, or I don't know what we have, or where is it?" Yeah. See, that's what
1: like. So my husband he he handles most of our finances, Uh, but. With the caveat that, like, I've been very clear with him, like, there was a period of time and it was right around the time that Innovator was getting started. And I mean, even relatively recently, but like, as a startup, as a founder, like, I feel a lot of stress. And a lot of that comes from the financial pieces of things. Like, are we going to, am I going to be able to pay myself this month? That's a pretty stressful question. Because if I can't pay myself, are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? And so he would kind of try to protect me, I think. And he, I think he, yeah he thought he was protecting my peace. He was like, look, you know, she's already got enough to worry about. Like my husband is incredibly supportive and he very much believes in my intelligence and my ability to grasp concepts. That's not it. It's just the fact that I think he was trying to make my way easier. And I was like, "Uh ah, no, 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 no. I need to know. You don't even have to like have me do anything, but just keep me apprised of what's going on. Because if I Mm -hmm. don't know, I I would much rather know something bad Than not know anything at all because you can plan for something bad, (laughs) and so like I I feel like plenty must be such a a breath of fresh air to folks who have previously just not really engaged in that way, whether through their by design or by happenstance, like however it it went down. Just knowing could be the most empowering piece of the puzzle, right? And I mean, it's so that's what your data is tracking. So talk to us a little bit more about that. I want to hear like you've already mentioned the fact that like financial abuse, um financial withholding, like these are these are all really significant problems in relationships. Um you know, what are some of the other things that you're seeing before plenty like that couples were experiencing that you're not seeing now?
0: Yeah, so one of the most incredible things that we've been hearing over and over is both that the partner who wasn't as engaged or didn't know how to engage, which is so often actually the case, they're now feeling a lot less stress and they feel like they understand in a way that they didn't before where they are financially, which is so much of like the the kind of currency of the buying opportunity to have experiences or to do things. What yeah. we're also hearing is that actually also for the partner who use, is used to driving a lot of financial decisions, they don't feel as lonely anymore. They don't feel like they're on an island and there's all this pressure for them to figure out everything on their own just because they are a little bit more comfortable with financial decisions or thinking about investing or planning. And so it's actually a lot more that there's, for both partners, stress is reduced for very different reasons, but ultimately resulting in them feeling like they're a lot more on the same page and a lot more on a team. Okay.
1: Well, and I I feel like that, that level of, I guess, satisfaction or empowerment, like that's going to lead into some pretty far reaching other relationships that like if you're feeling more empowered and more in control financially, doesn't that mean that you might feel more empowered and more in control just in your romantic relationship and your emotional, physical, spiritual, like it, it really carries through, right? For sure.
0: Absolutely. I think that yeah. ties so much to this feeling of connectedness and feeling like you're building together.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. So so talk to us about the future of Plenty. You know, you're you're working with customers. You've got some traction. Uh, what are you seeing coming down the pipeline for Plenty in the future?
0: Well, one of the big drivers for us building Plenty was, you know, I've spent the last decade of my career chanting similarly in Silicon Valley, and as part of that, you know, we've been part of multiple other startups like Stripe and Even that got acquired and Homebase. And what we saw a lot here in this area where there is so much wealth creation is that when you already have wealth, you get access to a different quality of service and a different set of financial products that ultimately yeah. results in you building wealth faster. That actually was such an important kernel for us starting to build plenty because we were like, in in terms of actually your point about equitable access, why don't more people have access to this? Why is this just restricted where if you already have a certain amount of wealth, then you get access to products that help you build wealth even faster? Yeah, that seems like so bizarre. To make money, which is kind of the, I guess the saying
1: that goes along with what we're, but the fact is like, we're helping the rich get richer. And right. it, 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 we're widening chasms and equity gulfs and, and and that's I
0: don't like it. Let's not do that growth. Okay, i okay enough. Yeah, I think the world <laughs> is big enough for everyone and every family to have more. And I think that just leads to a better future. And so yeah. you know, we've we started doing that because even with our cash management product, it currently is a four point six percent yield, which is higher than pretty much every big bank you'll see there. We also (laughs) offer automated investing. So it's truly effortless for individuals and couples. But the way that we apply that automated investing, we've used a much more advanced way of investing. It's a strategy called direct indexing that has been around for decades. But historically, you had to work with a wealth manager in order to get access. Yeah. The reason why it's good is because there's advanced tax loss harvesting, which can reduce potentially your future taxes. And so what we found is you are actually just saving taxes that you can pay down the road. Yeah. And we automatically offer that as a core part of the investing process. And that actually really changes because if you're thinking about, you know, the average household, they're still predominantly investing using ETFs, using more basic strategies where they're actually accruing a tax bill that's going to come down the road that they might not realize can really add up. Yeah. So we really were thinking, what are the set of products that we can bring people that you might originally have needed access through a wealth manager, but we can bring access to you starting with just a one hundred dollar minimum. That's a really core part of our mission for what we like to do:
1: democratizing access. It's like one of my favorite things in the whole world. Uh, so so one of the things that we like to do around startup hustle is we we like to give actionable advice. So not everybody is part of a couple. Not everybody is, you know, building a fintech startup. So But what I'm going to ask you, give our audience, what are some best practices that our our audience members can engage in around financial empowerment? We're going to generalize it just a little bit. But talk to us about some of the things that you've seen plenty help people do. You know, what are some of the tactics that folks can do so that they can feel, first of all, the first best practice is to go out and sign up for Plenty. There you go. I did it. Uh, you can check the show notes. We will pop a logo down there, but definitely check it out if, if what Emily's talking about speaks to you. But Emily, beyond signing up for Plenty, what are things that people can do, our founders and our audience can do to feel more empowered in their, their
0: financial journey? I think the first and most important thing is just get started and realize that you don't have to know a lot to invest well. That was actually one of the craziest things I learned. So my background is actually as a CPA and a CFA. And in the CFA curriculum, one of the things you learn is professional investors who work on Wall Street. 80% of them do worse when they are actively trading and managing money than people who just invest in the market, step away and just let the money grow. And I think so oftentimes when we talk to people, they're like, oh, I don't know enough about stocks. I don't know enough about investing. So maybe it's better that, I just don't get started now, and I wait until I know enough. A key thing for what we do is we basically make it a couple button clicks where we put you into portfolio and just get started. We've yeah. seen so many light bulbs go off when people even just move their first $100 or first $1,000, and there's almost this moment where they're like, am I investing now? It's like, yeah, yeah, and you are. And I, I love that mean, easy. You even don't even know a ton.
1: You're investing from the first penny. But one of the fun, like one of the things that I love to see and like one of the things that I love to do uh, is is feel because the, the fact is like you can be where you're at two years from now or you can be on an investment journey. But I love it when I like take the, the hidden money for myself, like the money that I never expected to get, you know, just like yeah. random holiday windfalls and stuff like that. I'm just like, get it out. Get it away from me. I don't want to spend it. I would yeah. put it right into like a seat whatever it is like whatever investment strategy is of the moment i did i avoided nfts but uh you know like figuring out i did too that money because because it, it's like that's the money that doesn't even hurt me you know it's like the 50 bucks a month here or there uh but it adds up and i mean the fact is like if you do that consistently and to your point just let that money do what it does let that money grow that can be a really, really powerful thing, a really, really great way to take charge of your financial future, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love it that you have to spend hours reading in order to figure it out. It's just
1: getting started. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, so, so this has been wonderful, but I do have I, I have a human question for you, Emily, and its it's a dumb question that has nothing to do with anything at all. It is the last question that I will ask you. But I'm going to ask you, if you could have lunch with one person
0: from history, who would it be? So I am a major history dork and probably in my next chapter at some point will go back to school and do a master's in history, potentially in Florence, because I love that city. Uh, probably the person that I would love to be able to have lunch with is Queen Elizabeth the First because she is just such a badass. She's and, such well, a she really is. There's that epic speech about the heart of uh, a king and the lion that I love. But I think one of the things that for me has always really resonated about her path is just going against the grain. So yeah. She was the first female to lead a country in that way at a time her where so lucky she never yes.
1: married like in people it very it her for those political alliance i i love queen elizabeth i actually like i do a lot of reading around the tudor monarchy but elizabeth the first was super super impressive her her the beginning of her reign was marked by a lot of political strife and and mm-hmm. bloodshed and like it was terrible that's where bloody mary comes from and like the poor tutor, like all of them, tutor ladies got the uh, short end of the stick. But Elizabeth the uh, First, she she came forward and she she created library systems and welfare systems yes. and brought about this very historic golden age yes.
0: uh, it, it within she And she encouraged collaboration with other countries yes. and alliances that really led to a global trade network solidifying
1: exactly right and 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 a lot of people they don't like i think i feel like her story so often gets overshadowed by all the beheadings and like daddy's issues of which he had many uh like i i do feel like people often forget that like she she emerged victorious and i'm not gonna argue about the methods that she or her brethren used to get there but i am gonna say that once she was instituted on a throne she stuck there for a while so she was politically savvy enough to reign for 50 years and she brought about a lot of social political uh cultural change with it like good shit, positive change yep. you know so I love that answer uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together Emily you are you are a delight and you know you made talking about finance fun which I'm not I'm not gonna lie I did not expect <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Warren. I really appreciate sure. it. All right, friends. And thank you so much for giving us a listen. I, one more time, I just want to shout shout out FullScale. They are incredible. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. They have the people on the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io or check the show notes. And friends, keep on coming back. I'm going to point you to Founder Fridays with Frank. I don't know if you all know this, but all of your Startup Hustle hosts, including myself, Andrew Morgans, Matt Watson, and Matt DeCourcy, did a series where we talked about building culture within our companies. And all of our companies are very different culturally, uh, you know, but... We had a conversation with Frank Keck, who is a culture leader. That's his job. He helps. He goes into companies and he helps them figure out how to make their culture stronger, uh, more cohesive. And we had a a bunch of conversations. So I'm going to ask you if you want to listen to more Startup Hustle episodes, start with Founder Fridays with Frank, because he just does. He asks really great questions. He did a great job leading these conversations. Uh, And I'm, of course, going to invite you to keep on coming back, dear listeners. We just love that you visit us week after week, that you spend time with us. Let us know your thoughts, what you want to hear, because we are here for you. But continue to keep coming back and we will catch you next time.